Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who is new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda or water or absolutely nothing in the fridge. Do you need anything to drink? Uh, I'll take a water if you got one. Take a water? All right. We'll fade this out. And when my title splash is done, he's going to magically have a water. I appreciate it. No, that's all right. So, I'm sitting here today with a new friend. I met you uh, maybe four and a half minutes ago. Good timeline. And now you're in my house. There we go. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. The internet. Please make some noise. Real life always. I love the soundtracks. Love them. The internet's happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. What the fuck is good? Nothing much. I really appreciate that you don't have pre-recorded intros and that you just did that live in front of me. That was, that was special. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Every once in a while, I forget to do it when people are over and I have to do it in post, but mm-hmm. I don't have a canned intro. It's always done That's great. live. In the moment. Yes, love in it. the moment. I love it. I'm a performer. You're a performer. You do a... I don't even know what music is anymore. You know, it's so hard to put genres on so much stuff that's coming out that younger people are doing mm-hmm. now. And I think it's fucking awesome because I'm a little bit older than you. I was reading on your EPK. You are 22. 23. Now. You're 23 now. Yeah. Wow. Happy birthday. Thank you. Congrats. <laughs> and, you know, when I was your age, this like fluidity in culture of music that like you're doing like this just wasn't a thing you didn't mix these things together and now it's like if you're not mixing these things together you're an idiot so let's talk a bit about just your come up with finding music and getting your sound together sure yeah so uh my my music origin started super early my dad um would sing around the house all the time when i was a really little kid um he was more of like 90s country though so not quite what i'm doing now (laughs) Um, but those are kind of the origins and like you said there's just so much fusion nowadays and I think a lot of that is due to the accessibility for, for people to be able to make music. I mean, you know, you have the studio set up here. Um, I have a little home studio at my house. And just it's really easy for young people nowadays to hop on Logic or hop on Pro Tools or whatever it may be. Yeah. And I think, too, like the Internet probably as well, because you get exposed to so much stuff right. a lot more now than I mean, there was so much music around when I was a teenager, but a friend had to have a CD or it had to be on MTV or it had to be on the radio. You know, it was never like, yo, check out this link, check out this. Like what's the song in this Instagram story that I just saw? Like all you consume music in so many different ways. Now it's really interesting. So your dad was in the country. Yeah. Um, (laughs) How's the family with, uh, they stay supportive. Oh, definitely. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely very supportive. Um, like I have my parents out of my release party for the last project I put out uh, on the South side and they enjoyed themselves there. So definitely very supportive. Um, but as a kid, I kind of came up on like alternative rock. I was big into like the fray, um, and, and green day, uh, they're a little more punk, but kind of things like that. And, uh, as I got a little older, I got more into kind of hip hop and R and B, uh, you know, when Drake started to get big, pretty much everybody was into Drake when that happened. Um, so just kind of, kind of went from there and, and really wanted to, to discover my own sound. Um, I know a lot of the stuff I made early was 
Uh, definitely emulations of, of some artists that I listen to a lot, which I think everybody does, just kind of tries to emulate Absolutely. Um, and, and really just over the past couple of years to try to find my own sound. Um, and I want it to be when people... Uh, when when people get asked what kind of genre music I make, I want them to say I don't know. Like I I don't have a name to put to that. So just kind of drive my own lane. Yeah, you know I think that it's important, especially now. It's just like you need to capture some sort of a vibe that people are gonna fuck with. Definitely. The genres don't matter. People aren't really that concerned right. with that stuff anymore. Even in my my Instagram bio, I just have genres are outdated because they are. It's just there's no real such thing anymore. Yeah, I mean. There is. There are people that conform to it, but I find that it's really easy for your music to sound incredibly dated if you d- are sticking to your guns. But hey, yeah, everybody's allowed to do whatever they want to do exactly. with their music. That's what's great it's about what's a, it. Exactly. It's a beautiful thing. With you and your sound, you had mentioned, you know, emulating stuff when you were starting out and listening to bands like Green Day and The Fray and Indie mm-hmm. Rock. And what I found was really interesting over the past decade, I started to notice there were a lot of rock bands that were borrowing from like R&B rap culture and then R&B rock, like the, the flip, like it was right. starting to like fuse together at that point. You know, was there any artist in particular for you? I mean, you mentioned Drake. I don't know if maybe this is the answer that was like, whoa, like I want to do this. I could do something like this. It's the cool mix of everything that I'm doing. You know, I don't know if there was one particular moment, but um, when I started listening to The Weeknd, I was mm. like, wow, this is awesome. Just, I, I loved the vibe and, and just kind of, he just kind of brought you into his own atmosphere and nobody sounded like him at the time. Now there's a lot of people, even, you know, maybe myself a little bit, that kind of pulls off some <laughs> yeah. of The Weeknd. Um, but when I first heard his stuff, uh, I think Often was the first song I heard from him. I was like, this is crazy. So now, you know, you've been putting out music for... A little bit. You got quite a lot of stuff on your Spotify, which is pretty cool. It seems like things are doing well. So what was the first release that you put on Spotify without me having to dig through your discography? Sure, on Sp- so I actually went by just strictly RLA for a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, and there's, please don't look this up. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but there's an old RLA Spotify that I think I put out uh, a project in August of 2018. Uh, so that was the first full project I did. But like SoundCloud days, uh, it was February 24th, 2017 was when I put out my first track on SoundCloud. Okay. Yeah. So this is a pretty young project in some regards, but for somebody your age, it's like four years is a lot longer than somebody like, you know, yeah, it's like I'm finishing up a new album now that took me like two and a half years to put together. Mm -hmm. And that probably sounds fucking crazy. To somebody like you, and I don't, I, it's okay if you're like, why the fuck did it take you two and a half years to put out an album? I mean, realistically, I should be asking myself the same question, but I'm doing a lot of shit. But, you know, with you and getting this stuff off the ground, getting it noticed, getting it heard, did you find that there was any sort of a hurdle for you trying to get into the community and the music world? Definitely. Um, especially in, in Pittsburgh, um, I just didn't have really any any music friends are you from here i'm from around here i just didn't really grow up with anybody except my one friend uh who actually got me into making music he, he uh, went to school at full sale for recording arts and actually kind of taught me some of the ropes of logic cool um but other than that i really had no like musical connections especially in the hip-hop and r&b space so a lot of it was just kind of uh 
like I met, uh, you've had Pick Patek on here. Yeah. I met James. He was just making beats in the library at Hillman. I went to Pitt for school. Um, and I was just like, are you making beats right now, dude? He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> and so uh, that kind of just sparked that way. So a lot of just kind of grassroots networking and, and word of mouth. And and that's really how it kind of got to be like that. Um, but with social media too, it's definitely a lot easier to just send somebody a DM and just be like, yo, what's up? I think your stuff is cool and, and try to go from there. Yeah, so has that been pretty much your method then? Just talking with people and not being afraid to say like, hey, what's up? Right, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, I was definitely way more introverted as as a younger uh, kid. Um, and with music, it's kind of hard to be to be introverted, at least in some respects, because just to put something out there. Um, but yeah, to network and things, I just kind of had to overcome that hurdle and just be able to say, yeah, like, what's up, man? How's it going? Yeah, I think that that's really important. And it's something that a lot of people fuck up because it's not that difficult to say hi to somebody and you know as much as i could say oh i make my music for myself it's Mm -hmm. like no i want other people to fucking listen to it (laughs) it's like you know let's drop the fucking act a little bit you know like oh it's about my art and people don't get it that's okay it's like no i want people to get it i want people to like it i want people to like me Mm -hmm. like me (laughs) and uh a big part of that is just being a likable person if you find yourself being an extrovert sometimes that could come off as just being like oh you don't want people to fuck with you even if you do it's just because like people have a hard time connecting because we're all extroverted in our weird ways and i think that that's the the key to success is realizing that most people that you meet especially in the music world are just as awkward as you regardless of like how well things are going for them or how well things aren't going for them yeah i feel like you just to do anything creative you got to be a little bit weird (laughs) yeah Yeah. so let's dig into the weirdness the awkwardness outside of this music shit because so you started putting out music in 2017 you said Mm -hmm. you're 23 now so you're out of high school 20 years old you're in pit you had mentioned all these things so what was life like for all our la i can't talk (laughs) in high school what were you doing in high school? Um, I was playing a lot of video games, playing a lot of League of Legends. Okay, um, with my buddies, uh, pretty much from like ninth to eleventh grade. I that was basically you know all that was happening. No um, music at the time. Did you know anybody doing music? I did. Like I had a keyboard, and like I thought I was the shit because you know <laughs> I knew like a couple songs, and like I would write these like four chord songs. Oh, okay, which um you know, but uh. Not a lot of music in, in high school, really not. I would do like chorus and stuff. Um, my mom actually paid me $100 to audition for for chorus for choir in high school. Um, <laughs> that was the only reason I did it. Uh, but it was it was fun though, actually. You know, it turned out to be a good experience. But, yeah. but my own music, not really. I would do like covers of stuff and, and, and I w- I've sang since I was a little kid. But original stuff really was not until And you college. didn't have any friends that were doing music at the time? Um, other than my one friend that I mentioned before, he was doing his own thing and he was making music. Um, but I just, I, I just wasn't into it yet. Yeah. So what was the weirdness? What was the awkwardness? Just kind of like the video game, alternative subculture sort of shit. Yeah. Oh, you did mention listening to Green Day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just like, yeah, I had my laptop set up in my basement. I got you. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, playing video games. I was a kid that wore like cargo shorts and like t-shirts every day, you know, like glasses, hair, all crazy. Um, but I'd like to think I had quite the glow up, um, senior year. I I started like kind of getting into like self-care, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I came back to win best dressed and most musical my senior year. Wow. Really? Congratulations. (laughs) That's hysterical. Accomplishment. Yeah. So what was the inspiration for like 
not, I don't want to say self-care because everybody, you know, you shouldn't need to be inspired right. to take care of yourself, <laughs> but you know, to get to a point where you're like best dressed and maybe thinking more about like, uh, fashion and culture and mm-hmm. things like that. Cause that's obviously stepping towards the music shit where you're starting to get ready to do music shit at the same time. Uh, probably subconsciously, you know, okay. um, I, I wasn't thinking of it explicitly yet, but I was definitely searching for things to try to, to try to, you know, just better myself as a person. So I, I think uh, something just happened where. I was a late bloomer too. I mean, I didn't hit puberty till like 15. Like I still sound like a girl when I hit uh, high school. Um, and I, I think just coupled with that, just kind of growing older and maturing a little bit, I was just ready to kind of take some steps to, to, you know, become a, a, just a better version of me. Yeah. So when you start getting into doing music yourself now, like mm-hmm. I, I want to do this. Um, I know it can be really hard for people just to get over that hurdle. Mm-hmm. And like, what were some of the things that you had to tell yourself if you can think of anything to like, just keep you going and keep you being like, oh, this isn't a dumb idea. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I think one of the main things was definitely that I had uh, my friend who uh, I keep mentioning him. His name's Zach. He goes by Gray, but I've known him since I was like three. He's been my best friend since, you know, since then. Um, and he was really able to help me a lot and just kind of show me things. Um, he was able to kind of show me the ropes of logic um, and, and how to produce and everything. Cause I, I produce and mix all my own stuff too. Um, so he was able to show me that. And so that was very helpful just having kind of a, a teammate on my side. Um, but other than that, just a lot of, um, uh, just a lot of self-determination and a lot of grit. Um, I'm the type of person where I try to do like the most challenging things possible just to, to, to be able sure. to prove to myself I can do them. Um, and, and so I think a lot of it was just within and, and just saying, you know, nobody blows up in, in a year or two years or whatever, or whatever it may be. Just it's, it's a consistency thing more than anything, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, people will bring up somebody like a, a Billy Eilish and I'm like, yeah, but I think her and her brother were probably recording music for the past seven years out of right. a bedroom. You right, know, it's right. like maybe she's young now, but you get started right. earlier. It's that and, idea of like a seven year overnight success, you know, yeah. people only see, Right when they blow up, when they didn't hear about them yesterday. Well, just because you didn't hear about them doesn't mean they haven't been making music for you know half a decade. Yeah, it doesn't mean there isn't an RLA Spotify account. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. The struggle is in physical form. You know? Yeah. So the name. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the name. Definitely. It is not necessarily a conventional name, right. but it works. I'm curious, like you know, where does it come from? Yeah. So. It, it's definitely an unconventional name. Um, I've gotten that a lot. People were like, what the hell does that mean? Uh, when I, when I, you know, kind of came out with it. Um, really, it's just, I'm, there's so much, especially in hip hop and R&B where people just kind of, we can swear on this, right? Yeah, I think I've okay. sworn a lot okay. already because I have a terrible mouth. <laughs> I'm trying to work on it, but fuck. Yeah. I can't do it. I feel that. <laughs> Um, people just talk out their ass like all the time in music talking about like the same things. Like for a while there, it was just like drugs, money, bitches, like every, you know, every song, every song. Um, and a lot of these people are like, especially given the way the music industry works, like there's a lot of artists that don't really have any money. They're like still unrecouped with their labels and everything. Totally. And they're talking about how, you know, how balling they are, how, you know, and everything. So, um, and I think a lot of it, like a lot of the drug use being glorified is not good for, for a lot of these kids, especially kids with like mental health issues and are listening to these, these people. And, and, you know, to a point it's an outlet, like, um, little Pete, rest in peace. You know, he, he provided an outlet for a lot of people and, and things like that. But this glorification of drugs use, drug use, I, I'm just not, it just doesn't seem smart to me. You got, you know, kids with mental health issues, um, just worsening those issues by listening to these people glorifying drugs. 
And so back to the point, real life always was just uh, a sentiment of, you know, anything you hear on any of my songs is something that has actually happened in my experiences or something that I feel. Um, and you're never really going to hear any, any bullshit coming out of my mouth. Yeah, that's awesome. I think going back to your comment on the drug stuff, I agree with you. I think that there is a lot of questionable things that you see and hear in music and I'm not trying to sound like an old person. It's just right. like, I mean, I've listened to some wild ass shit. I grew up around <laughs> some crazy stuff. Yeah. And even today I'll hear some stuff and I'm like, man, like this is like crossing a line. But I think the thing that is more concerning to me and is just how connected fans are with the artist now. And it's not so much the song is the problem. I think it's like somebody that perpetually displays that lifestyle like on their instagram on their social media showing like oh i'm doing this posting pictures of drugs this and that you think right. over a time it's like oh this is actually this person because yeah. like people were writing songs about drugs 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago sure. but it was always like well this is a song and you don't really know how connected it is but mm -hmm. once you have you know young kids that follow these artists and they're seeing them on fucking tiktok doing god knows what Right. Then it's like, oh, okay. Like I want, it's people want to emulate things. And it's yeah. like, you know, if you're a musician, you maybe want to emulate the music that you like, but if you're just a fan of an artist and you want to emulate that artist, well, what does that artist do? Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think social media is a whole nother beast to go along with it just because like, you know, to, to a point, social media reflects what a person's doing in their life, but nobody's going to put on the shitty things that they do like during the day on social media. It, it's all, it's all, yeah. you know, positive stuff that n nobody shares their lowlights on social media for the most part. Um, and so I think it just paints this very unrealistic image that these kids try to, you know, emulate the, these artists when this isn't, it, it's exactly what it is. It's an image. It's not really what that person does a lot of the times. And I, I think that's a whole other problem. The other thing, too, would be a lot of the time when kids are getting exposed to social media, I mean, they're in developmental stages. Like right. These are like when you're developing behaviors that are going to stick with you for the majority of your life, whether you want to realize it or not. Like the dumb shit that I did when I was 12, 13, 14, like I'm still going through some of that in some ways and like especially high school shit like you know mm -hmm. behaviors that you have acting with people and if like you start doing drugs or something when you're a kid you know by the time you're like able to like really think about oh this wasn't a good idea it's like well it could be too Stuck. late yeah i mean so many of these fucking people that have passed away have been like younger than you right it's like jesus christ that's crazy it's yeah crazy. and uh, yeah exactly what you said i mean these, these developmental behaviors um and and i think a lot of it comes to this it's kind of like a culture of instant gratification nowadays with everything becoming so convenient, which, you know, convenience to a point is good. But I, I think a lot of people mistake efficiency with convenience. Um, you know, these things like are efficient being whatever two day packages from Amazon and everything like that. But I think it builds a mindset where people need to be gratified like instantly. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know whatever that, that may be, you know, if that's, you know, doing drugs or something like that to get high in, in an hour, you know, that's, that's kind of just what they, they go to. Mm -hmm. It is really, really a problem to ring it back into music. It's really easy for us as musicians to need that instant gratification as well. True. We already talked about, you know, the couple years, sometimes it may take a decade for some people to really yeah. find their voice and get their shit together for you and actually getting music online. You know, what were some of the first responses that you got from people you don't know? And what was that like? That's a good question. Um, 
So when I when I first did the SoundCloud stuff, it was really it was actually pretty cool. Uh, my my buddy that I I've mentioned, he he kind of like reposted on his SoundCloud, and he had like a couple thousand followers or something like that. So it was cool to see that. Just like, um, and then another kid that he knew, another artist, Alex Jordal, um, who had another like couple thousand followers on SoundCloud. He reposted it. Um, just I think kind of as like a friendly thing, just there trying to kind of help me out. Um, but it was cool. I mean, it got like a couple thousand plays on, on the on the first one of the first songs I put on SoundCloud, and just some of the comments, and and that was really cool. Um, even now, like it, if I ever get in a way, I'm like, oh, like shit, man, I, I really don't feel like making music right now, or like I'm just you know I got other shit to do. Um, you know, seeing comments on like YouTube videos or stuff where people are like, you know, make more songs, like I love this, and Spotify recommend this to me. It, it's it's definitely very inspiring to see people that I have no idea who they. They are like are, are rocking with it yeah if you have any how do you deal with haters um uh, i just don't yeah this is the best yeah you know you're always gonna have have people that shit on you and, and hate what you do I, I think a lot of it just comes down to insecurity so i'm, I'm not really too worried mm-hmm. i think that honestly it's important because it just proves that you're getting outside of your bubble and i think that a lot of artists get stuck in the comfort of their bubble Mm -hmm. and you know they just don't put their shit out they put it out but they don't really push it to a point where it's getting beyond their friends and family yeah so they have this idea of like oh well shit's going good because people are rocking Mm -hmm. with me yeah but it's like if you can push it out to a a spectrum where like you're starting to get YouTube comments like, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) But then you're still getting stuff, comments from people you don't know, like, whoa, this is awesome. That's good. Cause now you're actually growing. I agree. Yeah. And and, and two, I mean, you don't really want to have everybody around you saying like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, you want to have some people that, that are critical of it, whether it's just being fucking trolls or, you know, actually giving you critiques um because some of the haters like they say shit i'm like damn like you're right maybe i should change that in the song sure um so yeah i I think a lot of it is just not ignoring it but you know i guess there's a couple of specks of wisdom sometimes in there yeah i think that it's easy to tell if somebody's like just being an asshole yeah or if they're trying to be helpful but sometimes people as you mentioned can be helpful assholes (laughs) yeah because like you know, we're not flawless and we're still growing as art. We're always going to be. That's the goal. You always want yeah. to be better than you were the day before. Sure. So if someone's like, yo, this mix is trash or this or that, it's like, well, good. You know, yeah. I'm mixing my stuff, mm-hmm. you know, well, what do you like? You know, it's always, I like to try to engage with people sometimes if I get a critique on something like that, like, well, what are you listening to? I'm curious. Like, what do you like? What do you think is good? Mm-hmm. And then if they send me stuff that I think is trash, it's like, well, yeah, maybe it's just your opinion's you. valid, but yeah. you know, there's everybody's ears are so different. It's like literally like a palate, like you know, like some the way something tastes to me could taste totally different to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting. In terms of you and getting into learning production, you mentioned you do all your own beats and yeah, all that yeah. shit. That's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, seriously. So, how has that been for you, and what made you decide to want to do that instead of just like you know? buying or stealing beats from the internet like half of the other people i've had on this podcast yeah well one, one of the things was just um i guess i don't know i, I have i i'd like to think some sort of like moral integrity i, I really don't like to steal other people's shit like yeah that. i don't know that that, that is, just rubs me the wrong way um but in, in in regarding like buying them that that was my exact mindset i was like why would i buy this thing for, if i can just make it myself like why am i going to spend whatever 40 50 100 dollars on a beat if i can just do it in my computer like this doesn't make any sense to me even if it and i've kind of always been like that even if something takes longer for me to do it myself rather than just like outsourcing it 
I'll usually just do it myself. Um, and I'm such a perfectionist too, especially when it comes to music that like if something's wrong, even if I get like a track out of a beat, like I just need things to be exactly how I want them to be in my music. So, um, that kind of, if, if I wasn't doing that, it would be relinquishing a a little too much creative control for me. So I just kind of like to do things on my own. I agree with you 100%. So whenever I started getting into making beats, I didn't know anybody that was doing anything. And to be completely honest, I only started making beats in high school because me and my friends wanted to write dumb songs about like robbing people and titties. Like, you know, we're just cutting up. (laughs) They're just goofing around. But I ended up like really picking up a knack for it. Like I fell in love with it and I started like writing stuff seriously and then the rest be history. Um, But, you know, getting into it and trying to figure out why I want to do all of these things and like learning like, oh, I can work with other people. I could work with other producers and people saying like, you should do this or you should like, you know, work with this person. It's like, I'm such a control freak where it's like, I don't want, it's really hard for me to like put that responsibility on anybody else. Cause every time I do work with other people, at least it's not so much anymore, but when I was starting out, I felt like I was always getting burned or let down. Like, you know, I had somebody shoot a music video for me that like, I just hated. And I was like, mm-hmm. fuck it. I'll buy a camera. I'll find somebody with a friend. Like I could find a friend to hold it and tell them what to do yeah. rather than like paying somebody to do something shitty. Right. And the same thing happened with like, you know, I had, recorded stuff with other people like uh you know doing like guest spots on people's songs and working in studios with other engineers like whoever they're recording with and being like i hate not recording myself i hate working with other like nothing against any of these people but just like the whole like oh they're taking so long to get a new track going or i'm like yo can you throw some delay on it and they're like it's taking forever like give me a break yeah i i think that's a lot of it too um yeah, I, I engineer myself and everything. So I, I think it's a workflow thing too. It's not even that like, maybe I love the beats that, that this guy's making or, you know, this engineer, whatever this engineer is doing, but it doesn't fit in with my workflow and it doesn't fit in with my style. And um, when, when it comes to that stuff, like when it, I'm, I'm a little rigid with that, like I have a very specific, you know, kind of workflow that, that I like to go through when I'm making songs. And, and sometimes that's just not compatible with uh, with other people. Yeah, I think that, you know, too, if the end goal is to really curate your own style and sound, I mean, there's really not much of a better way to do it. Sure. I mean, granted, like I've had people on the show that are like, you know, like artists that work pretty like exclusively with a producer and they create a sound, even going back to like Billie Eilish, mm-hmm, right. um, like that it can work. Whatever works for you works for you. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's awesome that you are deciding to take that path forward because, I mean, down the road, it may get to a point where like, you know, shit really happens and like, you know, some label gives you a ton of money and they're like, hey, we're giving you all this money, but you're going to be going to the studio to work with this person. Mm-hmm. But now you have all this experience behind the board that at least you know how to communicate and make sure things aren't getting out of control. Right. I, th- I think a big thing in a lot of aspect- aspects of life is you don't have to be an expert or something. You just need to know enough to like call other people out on their bullshit. <laughs> you know, if, sure. if, they're, if they're just totally like, just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that that's, yeah. I, I know that's probably going to come to a point in the future, you know, whether it really blows up or not, where I just don't have time to do everything myself because it is a lot of a lot of work time and, and a lot of man hours, um, you know, creating and producing and mixing everything versus just getting a beat sent in, uh, you know, laying vocals down and then sending it out to a mix engineer. It's it's, it's a lot quicker. Um, but but for now, yeah, I, I really like the, the freedom of being able to do everything myself. 
Now, it seems like an artist like you, most artists can benefit from the internet now. But somebody in your position, I feel like you can really benefit from the internet. A lot of people that are doing the style of music that you're doing, solo performers, musicians, um, you don't really have to rely so much on shows or touring, even though it helps, but mm. not in COVID times. Right. Um, I'm curious like, what your experience playing live shows was like and if you feel like it was a benefit for you when you were doing it. I mean, I guess we are technically still are, but COVID, right. nobody's playing anything. Um when we were playing shows, mm-hmm. if I can repeat this question 10 fucking times, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, did shows help you or did you find the internet was more of a, more helpful for you? I think the internet was more helpful, but I certainly think shows help as well. Um, especially because someone like myself, if I do say so myself, um, I like to be able to like actually show people I can actually sing and don't just have like auto tune slapped on my vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nothing wrong with, but, uh, I like doing shows and, and I just also like performing a lot. Um, and, and a lot of times since, especially in Pittsburgh, like I certainly have a bigger fan base outside of Pittsburgh than I do in Pittsburgh. Um, and that's just kind of due to the internet and Spotify and things like that. So it, it's nice to be able to do shows in Pittsburgh and actually get some word uh, around the city. But the internet has certainly been my, my, my primary driver of marketing and, and growth. In terms of, you know, putting together and releasing music, uh, it's no fucking surprise to anyone that you know we're in more of a singles environment and not necessarily a full-length environment what is your take on this whole singles versus an album thing i think and that's that's a great question i i think that singles are they're they're gonna work if they're good and, and you're able to drive out content consistently going back to that instant gratification thing a lot of people won't sit through an entire album unless they're very invested in, in whatever artist they're listening to. Um, but you know, anybody can listen to a single, it's two or three minutes, whatever. So, um, that, that, that's kind of been my take on it. So last year I put out, um, kind of, it was like a debut eponymous album in, in album in, in three installments. So I put out real, which was three tracks. I put out life, which was three tracks. And I put out always, which was three tracks just to kind of try to break it up a little bit. So somebody doesn't have to listen to a whole nine track album, even though like, you know, 10 years ago, a nine track album would be like super short. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think you, you need singles to, to put out consistent content, but I, I don't think albums should be done away with at all. Um, I think once you've built up a fan base and you have people invested that are willing to listen to an album, I think it's a really great driver. Um, especially if you do plan on doing shows, I mean, you can only perform so many singles. You, you, you kind of need an album to, to perform and, and tour with. Um, so I, I think there's room for both, but yeah, definitely singles have, have, had an uprising in, in popularity. Yeah. I think, you know, from an algorithmic standpoint, I understand because I mean, it sucks to, you know, drop 10 songs at once and you look at the stats and, you know, like the first half of it has most of the plays and the second half doesn't. And Mm -hmm. it's not like anything against, it may not be against your album itself, but it's like people maybe only have that 15, 20 minutes to dedicate while they're going from point A to point B or doing this or that. And, but it's like, why not just, and then afterwards, like, okay, well, people aren't listening to the second half of this record, right? So I'm going to promote it again. But everybody's like, well, I already listened to it. Even if they're not thinking about that, they didn't listen to the second half. Right. So it makes a lot more sense to take those 10 tracks and break them up maybe into chunks like you did. So it's like, even though it's all done at one time and it's all part of the same thing to everybody else, it appears to be more 
consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of just like, it's just dripping people content. Um, and it's a lot easier in my opinion, especially on the internet to promote a single rather than promote uh, an album or a project. Um, especially just for like, you know, blog curators or like playlist curators, being able to send them one song, um, you know, every couple of months is a lot easier. I, you can pitch an album, but you can only pitch an album once, even if it's full of 10, you know, 10 yeah. songs, you can pitch singles, 10 singles, 10 times. So it, it's a little bit of a numbers game too. So whenever you're doing the like pitch stuff on Spotify, are you just running through Spotify for artists when you're doing that stuff? Yeah. So for that, I, I do Spotify for artists, but I also, um, when I put out uh, real last early last year, yeah, it's twenty twenty. Yeah, early last year, um, I just spent like I don't know, maybe like sixteen or twenty hours just building up a a huge spreadsheet of like all the playlist creators I can find, and all the blog writers I can find, um, and so now I have that whole database where I just I just kind of blast that out. Um, I still do individual emails just because I, I try to. I think it you know helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, so so there's definitely like six hours on on every release day where I'm just sending emails. Um, but yeah, but so I go through Spotify for artists, but for things outside of Spotify, I'd, I have a big big list I send to. Have you had any luck with Spotify for artists and getting on playlists? Actually, I have. Um, the first ever single I put out under Real Life Always Human, um, I submitted it like four weeks before it came out and it landed on um, a Norwegian playlist called Laidback Beats. <laughs> it, had, it had like 50,000 followers. So I was, I was, you should have seen me. I was hype. I was, yeah, out. that's awesome. Um, so, but, but since then I haven't gotten on editorial playlists, but most of the singles I do, um, will, will jump on discover weekly. Um, but, but editorial, I haven't since then. I haven't been able to crack the editorial code again yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, uh, recently been dropping some new stuff. Uh, I have a new project that I'm doing with my friend Indigo called some faith. And we started putting out, we put out a song in September, we did another one at the beginning of this month. We're dropping a few more at the end of the month. The drip, mm -hmm. yeah. the drip. Yeah. And uh, I've been trying. It's my first time like really doing the Spotify for artists things. The last project that I dropped was in 2018. And I don't even think that that was, it wasn't as a thing yet. Uh, but yeah, haven't had any luck yet, but we'll see how it goes. I'm like finishing up shit with my other band now too we just finished up a full length i'm trying to figure out how the fuck we're going to release this thing mm -hmm. because like all the stuff that we're talking about right now like i don't know does it make sense for me to just release it in chunks and then physically put out an album for people that want the whole album yeah. or just put out the album and whatever i don't know i, I it, there's there's no right or wrong answer yeah i think a lot of it is testing it's just trying to figure out what the hell works yeah um yeah like i so for um, once I put all three of the installments out, real life and always, I printed a, a CD of it, which you have here. Um, and then like, I gave that physical CD out at the release, at the release show and I were like the listening party. Um, and so like, I tried to do that just to have something physical that people can like, kind of, you know, it's tangible, they can hold on to. Um, but I, I think a lot of it is just, is just testing and, and seeing, you know, mm -hmm. what works and what doesn't. I think that it's easy sometimes for people to maybe blame the attention span of listeners on this thing. Now, like nobody has time for anything, mm -hmm. right? But people will still watch a three hour Avengers movie. Yeah. Or, you know, back to Drake, you know, he put out what, like a double album yeah. a couple years ago, didn't yeah, he? Scorpion, yeah. There you go. Uh, and so, I mean, granted, we're not the Avengers or fucking Drake. <laughs> yeah. But people do have attention spans for quality content. So I think it goes back to us as creators to make sure that the content we're putting out is actually worth people's time. Yeah. And if it's good, people will listen to it. I agree. That's Every, Everybody's working with the same seven or eight billion people. It's not like yeah. you know, we're all dealing with the same humans. So if it's, if it's quality, you know, hopefully you, you get the attention.
attention span. Yeah, it's, you know, that's another thing too. If we like lean a little bit harder into social media and algorithms outside of music streaming platforms, your Instagrams, Twitters, Facebooks, whatever you do, um, you know, there will be a lot of people like, my posts are getting suppressed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are your posts getting suppressed, dog, or is your shit just dumb? Right. <laughs> because like people, people will be like, hear that, they'll though. be like, I posted a picture of like me and my mom and it got 200 likes, but the picture of my album got nothing. They're suppressing me. It's like, no, nobody just cares about your album. Right. Nobody wants you got to learn how to be on a screen. Yeah. You got to be more, learn how to be more genuine online. How do right. you feel about that? I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think, I think there is some merit to just organic social media in general has become suppressed for everybody. Not just, yeah, not just Billy Bob Joe who posts pictures of his album. <laughs> um, so I definitely think there's some of that where 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 Facebook and and Google are you know just suppressing organic reach because they want people to pay for ads that makes sense. Um, but but yeah, I think if you're putting out quality content consistently, then then you're gonna you're gonna get there. But but to a social media point, uh, I guess another one is that I, I think something too is that a lot of things you only see the algorithms are so good now you only see what the algorithm not even thinks you want to see it knows you want to see yeah it, you know so like yeah you, you're just seeing things that that are, are are reinforcing your own you know you kind of your own your own bubble and kind of just becomes echo chambers you create your own hell yeah that's a good that's a great way to put it yeah <laughs> yeah uh i've been this is happening so much too with like people are like oh like I'm tired of being on Facebook, you know, me and all my old friends that are still on Facebook and like, cause it's all, it's all political stuff and all this stuff. I was like, stop engaging with it. Yeah. Stop reading it. Right. It's yeah, the even, whole reason you're seeing it all the time. Right. Even if you put a comment like this, shit's fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, it's going to think that you're engaging with the post and it's going <laughs> to yeah. show you more of it. Yeah. I think too, like the whole idea of like how something like a Facebook or an Instagram works, like, structurally like there's so many users on this platform i almost feel like they need to somehow do the algorithm just to reduce the amount of data that's going out of the servers i feel like it has to be suppressed somehow because otherwise it's like you know many people have like thousands of friends or they're following thousands of people and all this shit and it's just like what service can really in real time give thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people a continuous feed of millions of feeds of people like yeah, i don't know i'm not crazy. a computer engineer but right uh, yeah either that or, or google is just you know crazy facebook and google um it's there there's a lot uh, social media is just crazy especially now with tiktok i think that's another thing that just like is caters towards instant gratification like these 10 second videos and you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. Yeah. it just feeds your brain it's it, it's a wild world we're living in really. yeah i i have like a I have a friend who um, started a TikTok account like a, a couple months ago, maybe, uh, and she's getting paid by TikTok now to create shit because nice. it's fucking blew up. Like yeah. it's fucking awesome, and like you know, as a result of that, you know, you'll have people saying like, "You should make a TikTok," and it's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. What value I have to yeah. add to the platform? It's like you lucked out, and like <laughs> you being yourself works great on this platform. Like me, I'm not a 10 second minute clip mm-hmm. kind of guy. And the other thing too that bothers me as a creator on those platforms is like people don't. I feel like a lot of people that use that don't really get highlighted on there for being themselves. It's more of like, Oh, this is a funny video that happened or like, Mm -hmm. this is a cool song, but like 
the actual artist at the end of it isn't like the concern. But that's yeah. not necessarily true because I know there's makeup people and dancers and Lil Nas X happened because of TikTok. So there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, b- a big thing of it is just there There really is no right or wrong. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like going back to the genres. It's also not mutilated but just kind of all intertwined now and and so there's a lot of things i was on tiktok for for like well i still am on tiktok but i was making tiktoks for about like a month and i was like really into it and then i was like you know this what were stupid. you doing on tiktok i was just trying to do funny stuff um like i i, I tend to think i'm at least somewhat funny as okay a person. um <laughs> so i was just trying to do funny stuff like i was doing like goofy stuff um and and just really trying to get laughs out of people uh, and it it was like I don't know I guess it worked I like my uh, I was I was getting a couple of like a thousand plays and I was like sweet I was like um, but but after it kind of just drifted out after that I don't think I have the the lack of attention span. To, Did it to feel like more of a distraction for you? As in in what sense? Like it's like maybe like the time that you're spending trying to be funny on TikTok it's taking away from you working on music that like. Or creating content for people that actually want things from you. Maybe I was kind of using it as a vehicle to like, well, you know, if I am, if I'm just, if I happen to get big on TikTok by being funny, I can probably use that to funnel something into music. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a marketing technique for me, not to sound like, you know, like a, a suit. Um, but I, I figured if I can do this and I'm having fun doing it and, and it turns into something where I'm able to kind of promote music, then, then I'm yeah. okay with that. That's the interesting thing going back to my friend. TikTok friend. Mm. We'll just call her TikTok friend. Uh, I noticed that she was complaining about like the people that she had coming to her page and the followers that she was getting were for a very specific type of content that she was putting on her page. And if she ever did anything outside of that content, it, like, it wouldn't do good. It didn't work. Yeah. I feel like, you know, people that either like follow you on TikTok or like YouTube's another big one like that. Like if you steer from like your thing mm-hmm. so i feel like it's really hard to like not that you were trying to trick people but you know what i mean to like throw that's, people that's this curveball like oh i also do this like you know people are like well i don't care i yeah. came here because you know you're making videos on a pogo stick you're the yeah. pogo stick guy now yeah, yeah, yeah and then all of a sudden right. like then you know my anxiety and me would be like well i gotta keep up with all of my pogo stick <laughs> yeah, fans yeah. and then six months down the line i'm like i haven't made a song i forgot who i am yeah. my sense of identity has disappeared that's a good point. I, I think, and I think a lot of people do that. Where, um, yeah, a couple of people come to mind where, uh, like they get big off like memes, like doing like stupid shit on Instagram or TikTok, or whatever it is. And then, like you said, they start making music and it doesn't really translate. So that's a good point. Maybe I hadn't thought of that too much. Um, but but yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, some people can be. Some people are so fucking likable that they Mm -hmm. could do anything and people just ride with them. Yeah. You know, the most dramatic example I can think of is Snoop Dogg. There's not anything that Snoop Dogg can't do (laughs) and people are not going to support him 1000%. Yeah. I think it's just a character thing too. Yeah. If, if, if you know a musician to be like goofy or funny, like Lil Nas X, like he's, you know, like meme lord, still making memes on Twitter. Um, it's more of like a brand extension where like it still makes sense that, that you're doing like funny shit, even though that may not be your primary, you know, concern. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now moving forward, we're living in this singles culture, yep. you know, we're doing, we're trying to keep up with the drip. How ahead of the drip are you in terms of content on a normal basis? On a normal basis, I like to keep 
uh, at least like half a year of stuff. So, and that might not be that much, you know, but like, like singles, maybe I like to keep like four or five stocks just so I can kind of pick from and maybe like get some features. Um, and I'll go through periods of like, I have like super like cyclical creativity. So I'll make like 10 songs in like two months. Um, and that probably doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm, I'm like, finished songs like producing them mixing them mastering and everything have them all like polished uh and and then i'll go a couple months where like i don't make anything um and it's kind of weird i every time it happens it's like man i was like have have i run out of creativity and i think it's like the end of the world every time and then (laughs) and then uh, you know all of a sudden i'll make like a a beat or something i'm like it's fire um and and it comes back so yeah i I like to keep like at least half a year content or so um and and i like to also build up i have like i have a whiteboard where i make my music at in my house um and I have like album stuff and I have like singles on, on each side of the whiteboard. Um, so I try to keep uh, like a framework of an album that I, I, I want to put out eventually. I'm like, okay, this is a deep cut. This isn't going to be an, uh, a single, but this is a really cool song. Let me put it over here. Um, and then I'll have kind of singles that I just kind of want to uh, just drip out uh, consistently. In terms of, you know, putting your workflow, something that I've struggled with a lot that I've kind of gotten better at over the years, but it definitely was a struggle for a while was, you know, inconsistencies across different mixes of songs. Mm -hmm. Have you like found your workflow to allow you to get to a point now where like you can kind of have like a consistent sound between different tracks, even if they've been recorded months apart? Uh, Yes and no. Sometimes I want them to sound different. Like Mm. sometimes I I try to make songs that are a little out of my comfort zone and then things I haven't done before to try to, you know, just so they should be mixed a little different. But I think for for those consistent ones, yeah, I think I've gotten to a pretty good spot uh, where, you know, I know what plugins I like to use. I I know what what kind of effects I like to put on um, and I've gotten them to sound sound pretty consistent uh, across. That's good. I, yeah, it's just, I'm always like thinking, you know, I come again, I come from like an album thing. Mm-hmm. So my whole mentality is always like at the end of this, I'm putting out an album mm-hmm. and I'm always so concerned with like everything sounding similar in some regard, even though like it doesn't cause every song's different. I just like, it bugs me as a listener to like listen to an album and like I hear a song and I'm like, where the fuck was this recorded? Cause the, everything sounds one way. This sounds another way. Nobody else cares, but me, it's like my engineer brain and yeah. not my just like fan brain. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say is that a lot of the things uh, I, I definitely do. And I'm sure a lot of musicians do is that, that we think is like, Oh, I got to fix this. Like other people don't give a fuck about like, yeah. like, you know, they, 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 it doesn't make a difference to them. So I think as long, my goal with all my mixes is that if someone hears this at like, they're at a restaurant or something and they hear it on, on like a speaker at the mall and they hear a couple lines, they're able to determine like, okay, that's real life always. I know who that is like just by the voice of the mix or, or, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, apart from that, I don't get too granular on making sure mixes sound exactly consistent every time. Mm. Now, outside of music, what are you doing? Are you still in school? So I know I graduated in 2019. Um, so I, uh, I have a day job. I work in like digital marketing downtown. Um, so I do that to pay the bills and everything. But but hobby wise, uh, you know, music is definitely primary. But I'm very into um, like finance and stuff like that. Over the past couple of years, I've gotten pretty into um, like stock trading and things like that. Just more more as like a side hustle. It, it's definitely not you know paying the bills or anything, but just. Um, 
I'm, I'm very big on like like personal finance and, and like setting <laughs> financial goals. Okay. It, yeah, it's not, it's very, it's a weird dichotomy. It's like, no, it's fucking uh, awesome to be honest. Like <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good place to be in. Thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, so I'm I'm into stuff like that. Um, and then you know I'm still definitely a little bit of a nerd at heart. So you know, I'm playing a couple of video games and things like that in between in between yeah. music. No, I think that that mindset is good to have as an independent creator because the thing that fucks so many people in our positions is not thinking about the numbers and the logistical goals of being able to pull this off. Mm -hmm. Because whether we want to admit it or not, it's really hard to do pretty much anything if you don't have a little bit of money in your pocket to help you make it happen. Even if you are recording your own shit and all this stuff, it's still like at some point in time. We're going to need money for something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's. I think that's great too, just because also the work that you're doing, I imagine, you know, working in your job at digital marketing and like, you know, fucking around with stocks and your personal time and all these things, like it's keeping your brain organized and sharp to be able to deal with like problem solving and work with other people. And I agree. Everything that you need, I think, to be a good musician. Yeah, it's it's definitely made my mindset very um, analytical, and like I, I think I'm able to, to critical think a little better. Too. Yeah, um, I play a lot of chess too, so so that probably helps as well. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely think it's helpful, and I think like you said, a lot of people, especially younger, um, and I always sound like such an old man when I say shit like this, but like especially <laughs> younger kids, like they don't really think about you know what what it's going to be like you know 30 years down the line when they're when you're 50 or 60 and there, there's things that you can definitely do when you're when you're uh younger in your, your early 20s or whatever uh or you know 30s whatever just younger that that you can do to really set yourself up for success even if you're not like wildly wealthy in in, in your 40 hour a week job or you know whatever like that yeah, no, I, I agree. And I need to go back because I said it's what makes people uh, a good musician. It's not what makes you a good musician, but success, successful. That's yes. the word that yeah. I was looking for. You could be a good musician and not successful. That's honestly the unfortunate majority, That's, if we're being yeah. completely honest. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a, a there's an amount of not creativity and not music and not art that goes into making you successful at those things. Yeah, and that that sucks to an extent. Like somebody who's you could be the greatest musician in the world, but if you have no idea how to market it and nobody ever listens to it, then you know that's all it's going to be. It's just going to be you um, talking about people how people don't get it. Um, <laughs> so I, I think there's definitely a big business aspect to the music industry. It is an industry, um, and and so I, I you know I try to read up on that thing, those things um, like. Uh, Everything you need to know in the music business, Donald Passman, I think is the author's name. Uh, definitely a super helpful book that, that I've read that just kind of goes over all of the details of, of the music industry um, with labels and everything like that and, and how all the business end of it works. So if you want to be successful, um, and I wouldn't really consider myself successful uh, yet, but um, if you want to be successful, in my opinion, I think you're going to have to know those business aspects of, of the industry, especially if you want to do it yourself. You need to know or you need to surround yourself with people that know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think that you know one of the big hot button topics in terms of independent music over the past couple years has been Spotify. Now, you have a Spotify account. We have pulled it up here. And you're not doing too bad on Spotify. You got some people listening to the music. You've had some streams and... You. Congrats. Like you're doing all right. Thanks. You're doing definitely a lot better on this platform than the people that I've seen that have five monthly listeners and complain about not getting paid from Spotify. Yeah. Like 
It's gonna be nobody's hard. listening to your fucking music. It's not Spotify's problem. It's your problem. So as somebody that has a few more listeners than five, yeah, how has Spotify treated you in terms of like financial and all these things? Like, do you see it being sustainable if you continue to grow as an artist? Um, yeah, I've, I've done the math, um, and for to to live like a basic life just off Spotify, not counting like merch or tours or anything like that. Um, I think if you're sitting around like 200,000 monthly listeners, you can, you can pretty much, you're probably making like 40 grand a year, um, which is, you know, that's definitely sustainable if you're, if you're living frugally. Um, so I have a ways to go to, to get there. Um, but it's, so I, I don't really count on Spotify right now as, as any really means of income. Um, I haven't even like ever withdrawn a, a royalty payment uh, just because it's not really enough for, for me yet. Yeah, we should also probably stress that that would be 200,000 listeners probably as an independent artist, not working through a yeah, label. Correct, like correct. you're yeah. your own distributor. Yeah, good note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 200,000 monthly listeners. And, and that's assuming that your monthly listeners on average are listening to your songs more than once a month. So like two to three streams a month per monthly listener. Um, and you're making, you know, anywhere from like 35 to 45, um, a year, which definitely isn't bad, especially off Spotify alone. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so yeah, but financially I, I don't really dig too deep into it for myself just because the numbers aren't quite there yet for me to really worry about it. Um, I, I don't really use it to pay the bills or anything. Yeah. That's the funny thing. I feel like <laughs> I'm with you where like, it's like, okay, this is a platform for me to get people to listen to my music all over the world on a device that everybody has on their phone, mm -hmm. not needing to go through some weird internet link or anything like that. People have Spotify. This is an easy way for them to listen to the music. Why as an upcoming up and coming artist, would I not want to use this platform talking about sending stuff to music blogs? I was doing what you were doing and getting my new list of contacts together to mm -hmm. start emailing people that have blogs and shit for the some faith stuff I was talking about. Yeah. So we're getting ready to drop out, drop that EP. And this one blog that I went on yesterday, this guy was like, I will not take any music that is uh, sent to me via Spotify or iTunes because those platforms don't support underground artists. And if you use those platforms, you're not a true underground artist. That's I wanted to just want to send him an email like, dude, go fuck yourself. And then I looked at his Instagram account and he has like 240 followers. I'm like, nothing against that. But like, if you are an active music blog talking about like, Oh, you know, fuck this. I don't fuck with these people. Right. But like you have no traction. Like what you are you doing? Leverage, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Well, Spotify and Apple music are, are the reason that underground artists even exist almost that are able to get not, not exist, but underground artists that are able to become massively successful. I mean, if you didn't have Spotify and you didn't have Apple music and I mean, I guess SoundCloud was playing a big role for, for a long time, but I mean, editorial playlists, have have blown artists up from from really nothing like um i don't know if you know the guy uh his name's ant saunders he made this song called yellow hearts mm -mm. it was like it was kind of like an indie like pop song it, it was all right um but he he got on a couple editorial playlists and from that like he got signed to is it like columbia or warner or something warner or something but but from like nothing really just getting on a couple editorial playlists and it went to like the top of the viral top 50 on spotify or whatever and just like that i mean it's it, it these platforms are a big reason why those underground artists are do even become successful. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of actually letting people know that the music is there. And again, the music has to be good. Yeah. You know, like I've gotten to this 
argument over Spotify and them not like paying artists. And it's like, it's such a silly conversation to have as an independent artist because like I can log into my DistroKid account now and there's going to be money in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a lot of money. Right. I think like, well, the last time I logged into my DistroKid account, if I'm being fully transparent, there's like over $900 in it mm-hmm. from Spotify streams. Yeah. And that's like, I think I did a withdrawal sometime last year. So over the past year, I've made 900 bucks on Spotify. Yeah. That's not nothing. No, definitely not. For just like, the, I didn't even release anything. Right. I'm telling you, you know, like that's just shit that was there. Like people happen to be listening to it and now there is some money in that account. And I could use that for getting CDs or getting merch right. or something. Like right. that's fucking great. Yeah, tell me you're not going to use an extra $900. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's and crazy. I don't even have a whole lot of monthly listeners. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like those projects are maybe like around, like they're all under a thousand, mm-hmm. you know, like a couple hundred here and there. So it's like, if I'm able to just have a stagnant ass project that people are still listening to and I can make a, you know, a thousand bucks off of it in a year. Imagine if you're actually putting your stuff out there, promoting it consistently. Like you can make a decent enough to press your fucking CDs. It's not nothing. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, it just really pisses me off seeing this again. There's like these people every time, every fucking time, these people make these posts. I look <laughs> right. up their band on Spotify and it's like 12 yeah, listeners. And I'm like, well, duh. Yeah. yeah. You're getting paid. You're just, you're just not <laughs> yeah. getting paid you know, yeah. too much. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, just tell, I'm not going to tell Spotify, don't pay me more. You know, if you sure. want to, go ahead. But I'm, uh, yeah, I don't think it's something that, that can be used or should be used as a primary means of income until you're a, a pretty successful artist. And mm-hmm. even then, you're going to be making way more off, off touring and merch and things for, like that. Yeah, I mean, for like artists that are like, say, they had, you know, these record deals where they're, it's completely out of their control. And then the label, like old artists, you know, like, uh, f- I don't know, like uh, Jimi Hendrix or mm-hmm. Janis Joplin or something, you know, like whatever state owns the rights to her music. And then the label, has they somehow have rights to upload it digitally and it doesn't go to the estate and you know lots of people are listening to the songs and there's a ton of money being generated that's just going into the label and yeah. not the artist okay we can have a conversation right. about how that's weird where like all of these artists that are getting ripped off as a result of a platform that didn't even exist when they signed contracts decades ago yeah like okay that's fucked up but like me and you Pittsburgh guys like we really don't have much weight to throw in this conversation like in terms of like how we're personally getting fucked over sure yeah no I, I I'm, I'm totally on board yeah the the industry as a whole is is a little labels in, in specific they're a little shady um but yeah to, to say that 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 Spotify and Apple music aren't supporting underground artists is a little crazy to me the fact that they even have the Spotify for artists hub and i mean there's the apple one too that you can't do a whole lot on but you can create a little profile and shit um the fact that they even have that is cool the fact that they give you an opportunity to submit to playlists to create a little bio and like right i mean imagine telling an an underground artist 10 years ago or 15 years ago okay listen you're gonna have the opportunity to pitch directly to an editor of one of the biggest music music playing i guess they wouldn't know what streams were at that point but biggest music platforms in the world but they're not going to pay you that much to have your music on their website i'm like fuck yeah i'm gonna do that why wouldn't i yeah i you know i think about like you know for me spotify is just like the modern cd store where like the way i engage with it it would be like literally how i engaged in a record store 10 years ago where i would go in 
you know, go to the section of that I like, you know, let's go to the metal section. Yeah. And then all I have is covers. Like what has a cool cover, you know, and then you look at something or like, oh, I heard of that band. And I'll check out a couple songs like, you know, FYE had their listening stations back in the day where you could scan the CD and listen to like the little clips of the songs. That's I don't know if you remember that. my time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. And that was a lot of fun. Like that's what, you know, we used to do would be like fucking around at the mall and go like scan and listen to little clips from CDs on the, the really cool but now i could just do that on my phone and if i like something i'll probably fucking pick up the record or i'll like you know save the the at least just save the fucking download it to my phone so i have it yeah well you bring up a good point i i think i think listeners like that where if they enjoy a song on you know whatever spotify and they actually are 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 willing to pick up something physical you know whether it's a cd or merch or anything like that i think i think listeners like that are extremely integral to, I mean, that supporting underground artists, you know, that if you want to help somebody out, um, and you like their music, um, you certainly stream it. Um, but yeah, those, those listeners that are willing to, to invest in it are, are, I think what, what really makes it pop mm-hmm. and people that are willing to share a link. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to like a post. Yeah. It's a little harder to share the post. I, I, I know that like, it's, for us, we understand how much that helps. You know what I mean? Like I've had like, you know, I've asked, you know, like a couple friends to share a post and then like, you know, a video has like an extra thousand views. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't do anything else. Yeah. It's just a result of two people that aren't, they're just two normal people, but they're online all the time. So people inter- interact with their shit. It can really help boost you. Yeah. Especially on Facebook and things like that. Yeah. When, when, when um, I mean, you don't have to do anything to watch the video. You're just scrolling and the video pops up on your feed. Uh, certainly, yeah, it, the sharing helps a ton. Uh, but you, like I know I have, maybe you have too, but it, it, it kind of becomes a fine line when uh, between like asking your friends to, to share things and then when they don't, like after you've asked them, like becoming an asshole about it, like, <laughs> you can like fucking share. Um, but yeah, so yeah. It, 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 it's very helpful for friends to, to share stuff on social. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know where the disconnect is. I don't, I don't know if they maybe don't really get like how helpful it is. Um, but you can't, I don't know, I guess Dude, you can't really be mad at people. The, 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 the most dumb, crazy control freak thing I've ever done on social media uh-huh. was, so before I put out my last album, uh, like months beforehand like six months beforehand i was like all right i'm gonna make a spreadsheet and i'm gonna start keeping track of every (laughs) single person that likes a post and if they like it more than once Uh, then they're gonna get tallies i love it and then when people had like over like 10 tallies those were the people that i messaged personally and i was like yo like i know that you're fucking with my stuff a lot do you really want to help me behind the scenes and pushing this like generally be like an online street team Mm -hmm. and just like post stuff when I post it. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just can I count on you for this? And it was cool, but it's just a lot to keep up with as one person. Did it work? Eh. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, it, I it's hard to say because I didn't do it. I mean, I think that the album did better than other things I had released in the past, but it was also just a better album. And I was also playing more shows and I was, do, there was a lot, a lot it's of things. To, it's hard I to see. know. Like, it's like coronavirus. Like who knows? how worse it would be if we weren't doing the lockdown shit. Right. You know, it's easy to be like, everything's fine. This is bullshit. But mm-hmm. it could have been, you know, the end of the world. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's the same thing. I have no idea. That, yeah, that's a good point. But and, go ahead. I was going to say, but it, it wasn't like anything. It was like, wow, like that definitely helped. 
but it helped. Every little bit helps. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think a lot of times things like that are are kind of self-fulfilling prophecies just to kind of get on on that is like if if you push something really hard, of course it's going to do better. But I think a lot of people get to get down, um, especially new artists where they're like, okay, this this song only got whatever, like 100 streams in, in the first week. Uh, this must suck. Like I'm not going to promote it anymore. And they yeah. stop promoting it. And then they're mad that it like didn't get any more streams. It was like, well, maybe you should have kept promoting it and then sure. probably get some more. Especially thinking about now, like all the chaos that's going on in the world. Like right now is not a good time to be releasing new music. Mm-hmm. And I I realize that, you know, all this presidential stuff that's going to be happening, you have the, the COVID stuff, all it's just like people like there are some people that are looking for escape, but like everybody's Internet feeds is just full of so much stuff. So it's really hard to like cut through. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard enough to cut through in, in any time on, online as, as a new artist. But yeah, there's only so much bandwidth people have. And mm-hmm. like you said, right now, just there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know what? The one thing going back to that stupid spreadsheet that I made, yeah. I think the most beneficial thing that happened from that was actually seeing like the people that I thought were like rocking with me really weren't. Mm-hmm. And people that I wouldn't expect were. Like it was like a shift in like where my actual fan base is, which was kind of cool to see. Yeah. And that probably helped in terms of like promoting shows in the future and thinking about like who I want to play with, where I want to play. Cause I think it's like really easy sometimes to have this idea in your head that like you belong in a certain crowd or a certain scene or a certain bubble social mm-hmm. circle, but like you really don't. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of like market research for you, you know, you're able sure. to kind of figure out what you know, kind of persona and, and type of person is really rocking with your music. So that, that probably helps. Yeah. I'd say that helped. I think that's a big thing that I struggled with is like, I, I didn't really know who I didn't know who my target audience was really. I mean, I figured they would be younger, you know, 18 to 24 or something like that, 18 to 30. Um, but, but other than that, I wasn't really Sure. And and I think that's another thing that Spotify and Apple Music help a lot with is that you're able to see those demographics um, of where people are and like what they're listening to. And, and that's definitely been helpful. There's some weird anomaly where I'm like really big, not well, relatively really big, com, you know, compared to my total listenership um, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And so like I'll get these like Brazilian people commenting like on all my shoot, like this is awesome. Like come to Brazil. I'm like, and I would never know that otherwise if it wasn't for, you know, Spotify showing that, that stuff. So I, I think defining a target audience is, is really helpful too when it comes to it. Yeah. That's super helpful too for, um, if you are ever touring or anything like that, yeah. you know, uh, seeing where like streams are coming from and on a demographic basis and being like, well, maybe I can hit up a promoter and, you know, Denver, Colorado mm-hmm. and be like, yo, like you may not know me, but you know, I have this many Spotify streams in your area. I'm trying to come through. You want to work together on something. Yeah. And I, and I think that just goes to, 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 to show that it's, it's really hard to say that Spotify and Apple music aren't supporting these independent artists just because they're providing so many resources that, that otherwise wouldn't be there. Um, just going back to the, to the accessibility of it. It's, it, it was really, really hard. Um, at least I would imagine I wasn't there, but like 30 years ago to, to become a successful independent artist without the backing of a major label or things like that, where now there's so much accessibility. Somebody can get on a laptop and make a song. Um, and if it's good and, and if they're able to market it the right way, they can really come up off of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there was 
a, a different set of problems, but also I feel like it was probably easier to get paid for shows back then. True. Um, I imagine, you know, there weren't as many bands and things like that. So maybe you could play a show at a small club and convince them to give you a thousand bucks to play that show. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, you know, it's, I'm happy when somebody asks me to play a show and they're not asking me for money too. Yeah. That, that's a big <laughs> problem too. And I, I don't know if that's just a Pittsburgh thing. Or, uh, it's an everywhere thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, that, I don't know, that just seems shady. To Especially me. in like that, in the, in like the hip hop and hip hop adjacent demographic. Yeah. It's a huge thing. Yeah. Well, I feel too that so many people want to be, you know, rappers nowadays is that I think a lot of people just take advantage of that. Oh and, yeah. And just say, yeah, you can perform at this, you know, festival. The showcase. Yeah. The, yeah. Artist showcase. Yeah. 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 10 bucks for a spot for a five minute set, 15 bucks for a 10 minute set. And, uh, yeah, I guess that that's one way to, to hustle, but, um, it, it's, it's, it, that's a problem too. Yeah. 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 Like whenever you, you get, I remember very, very early, um, one of my first big shows was one of those things. And, uh, I didn't know any better. I think so, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. So you do it. Right. And like, I realized right away, it was like, nobody is here to watch music. Everybody's here to just play and then leave. And mm. nobody's in a good mood. Like this is such a weird environment. Yeah. And then you realize like when, one packs of people all come to, to watch one set uh-huh. and then leave right after that set. And then another pack of people come to watch one set. That's kind of when you realize that they're, they're probably not there for you. Yeah. I will, I will say this though. Uh, I played a really, really one of those. It was, it wasn't like, it was like a festival, but you had to pay to get on it. And, um, I remember I, uh, right, right, right after me, like when I was playing my set, like, you know, a lot of people were coming into the room and like the room started to get, it was like the most packed I had seen the room all day. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And then, oh, uh, then I started realizing the people that were there were watched coming in to see the person that was playing after me. And it was this guy, uh, what the fuck was his name? Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> oh, it sounded like that. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like, that's cool. He has some fans. <laughs> and this was like 2008 maybe probably like flight school was yeah it was yeah and like uh it was it was you know obviously you know it didn't take too long after that before he blew up but it yeah. was like it was a really interesting situation because like well he was there mm-hmm. and he had fans and he wasn't and like a i mean t- in a way we're on the same stage so in a way we're at the same level at that point right but he was just ready to pop and like mm-hmm. he was taking advantage of those situations and it worked for him yeah obviously yeah well that was probably <laughs> cool to see that though right before he blew up it was probably cool yeah to- yeah, actually, I played another show with him too, maybe a year or so after that too, um, and it was it was cool. I never met the dude or anything. He was very much like a, you know, shows up, yeah. then leaves, and uh, yeah, uh, it was it was weird. The crowd was really cool, like yeah. one of the nicest groups of people I'd ever played for because I. I, I had no business being on that show. I just I was friends with the promoter, and that's how it happened. And because um, it wasn't a showcase show, it was like him headlining me and then somebody else. Sweet. Um, and th- it was a pretty big show, but everybody there was super cool. Like we sold a bunch of CDs. Everybody was really nice and super super supportive. And then maybe a year after that, I opened up for Mac Miller. 
and probably the worst crowd I ever played a show for. Um, Just because, again, I didn't deserve, there was no reason for me to be there. It was the same promoter, same situation, right? But like his fans, like the people at the Wiz show were like, it was like all demographics, all ages. And there was like, it was like a lot more open-minded. Everybody at the Wiz show was probably like his age, friends from school, you know, because it was still like definitely underground period for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, yeah, just like getting booed and heckled the whole time. Oh, and like man. the dude that was my hype man wasn't helping because he was very much like a fuck you type person. <laughs> I was very much just like, a, look, I'm going to just try to do my songs and get the fuck yeah. off stage. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was a miserable experience, like, like really a nightmare. Like, yeah. like I think about it now and I'm like, wow, like I, it's the only time I ever had an experience like that. But also there was no reason for me to be there. People right. didn't want to hear me. I was like a little bit more like alternative hip hop, weirder, you mm-hmm. know had lip ring. So do you feel like was was there anything that you took away from that like that you learned learned from that? No, you're lame. Yeah. For sure. Like you know, like I think that you know, I think it's also too too really important to respect the audience. I think that you know, going back, you know, who knows what how that show would have went if you know, my hype man at the time didn't start heckling back. You know, yeah, maybe I cuz it could have only been a couple things and then maybe I could have just kept going got the crowd and maybe turned it around. Mm-hmm. But as soon as he started spitting back, then it kind of, you know, it multiplies out and it was just like very, very toxic. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. That's, I'm sure that was an experience. I think that's a good, <laughs> I think that's a good mindset though to have, um, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times, but we don't know like what the alternate is um, just because you, you know, you can't go back and do it twice. And, and, that, and that's something I really subscribe to um, that. You never know, you know, how bad or I guess how good either, you know, the alternates could have been. So I, I, I try to do that. Like if I'm, if I'm stuck behind some like asshole in traffic who, who can't drive, I'm like, you know, maybe if I pass this guy right now, I get like smacked by an 18 wheeler after I pass him. So sure. It's always, I just try to look at the bright side. Of yeah. Yeah. Empathy. Empathy is important. You know, uh, it's not nice to be yelled at while you're performing, sure. but if I'm going to empathize with an 18-year-old teenage girl that came to a show to see Mac Miller and she's seeing me, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. And, you know, if you're driving in a car and someone's like driving slow or like weird, it's like, well... Maybe they don't know where they are. Yeah. And maybe you've been in a position where you don't know where you are and you've had to drive slow like... You know, the whole idea where, like, the world doesn't revolve around you and where you're at. Everybody has their own things going on. Yeah, there's a there's a concept in psych. It's called the fundamental attribution error. Um, I was a psych major for a couple of years. Um, and it's where we, we, we tend to think of of that the person being the problem rather than the situation they're th- that they're in being the problem. Yeah. So I, I think that happens a lot. Yeah. Human nature. Yeah. Human nature. So what's going to happen when you get old? Because you're getting old. I, I feel like I'm fucking getting old. 20, I'm only 23, but man, I wake up, my back hurts. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. What does the future for real life always hold? I mean, you mentioned you kind of got like a, a half year steady drip going, but you're yeah. continuing to write music. You're just pushing through. Yeah, just just pushing through, um, you know, just just paying the bills with the day job. Hopefully not super long much longer um you know a few years three four years and i figure something out um but yeah just a a lot more music um a lot more old man takes uh just just trying to give the people what they want and trying to explore new sounds um i got uh a single coming out 
um, next month. So in November, uh, I don't have a hard release date yet. Um, actually pick protect it's featured on it. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so we got that coming out. Um, hoping for a project sometime in 2021, but uh, we'll see what the future holds. Cool. And with all of that being said, one more time, let's shout out the Spotify here. So you can listen to real life always on Spotify or Apple music or SoundCloud or pretty much anywhere. Yeah. You on those weird ones too, like I'm Deezer all and yep, all I'm that, like the, I go, go you, and- whatever the Korean <laughs> ones are, you know, yeah. I'm on everything. Cool, cool, cool. Well, with all that being said, that's the wrong fucking button. That is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here. RLA, Real Life Always. Appreciate you. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. We're done. That's a podcast. Love it. Cool.